Netflix, the show where we watch, discuss, and review. And sometimes argue about. And sometimes argue about every horror movie on Netflix in alphabetical order. The gang's all here. I'm Chris, back again with Patrick. Hello. And Steven. Hi. And this week we have a very special new guest, Allison. Hi, I'm very special. Thank you. <laughs> She's extremely special. And uh, we're so happy to have you here. What brings you uh, to the to the group? Explain uh, what you're doing here and, and your experience with uh, the horror genre. What gives you the right, Allison, <laughs> to be here, really? How That's, dare that I? really is the, the stock question. What gives you the right? Defend your right to be okay, here. Okay, well, thank you uh, for having trial. me, first of all. Let me just start on a positive note here of collaboration <laughs> and unity. Um, I met these gentlemen not long ago, and we uh, we we pretty quickly realized that we were all horror movie enthusiasts. I was I was uh, excited to be part of a group because there are so few of us in my personal circle of friends that can endure a scary movie nowadays. Everyone's just yeah too they've, weak. They've been coddled from <laughs> kindergarten. Weak. But I mean, Allison, you probably are actually closer to our own goal than we are, I think. I feel uh, like you've, you've watched a lot of horror movies on Netflix from what I've gathered. Right? I have. Yeah. yeah, not in alphabetical order. Did you get to watch Zombies? I haven't seen that one yet, okay, Zombies. Well, no. You won't soon. It's, it's gone. But that was kind of our goalpost for a while. That was the end of the alphabet. Yeah. And, uh, I was very excited about it. Yeah. No one I mean, else was, though. <laughs> what are some of your recent favorites? Like, what's a. If you're going to go, like, watch a horror movie. For comfort, what would you pick? For comfort, for comfort, right? If you like <laughs> horror such movies, an oxymoron, it's... except for people like us, yeah, who get exactly. It. Horror movies for comfort. Let me think about that one. We did talk about the strangers earlier. Yeah, we did talk about the strangers. That is one of my. I did tell my boyfriend after I finished watching it and crawled into bed and woke him up and said, "Hi, are you awake? Are you awake? Now you are. <laughs> Join me." I said it's one of my top ten favorites, which I I think is a revolving list. I don't think it's ever the same. But uh, the strangers scared the shit out of me. That's actually on Netflix now. So yeah, plug for that. Plug for that. Bonus it, points for Nate picking one that's on Netflix. I saw it first in 2008, and my daughter was a month old, and I was home alone with her um, in an old house that had a front door that never got used. It was used as a storage area, and um, we used the side door instead. That will be important in a moment. <laughs> Uh, she and I was were, it an ornate wooden door with like no windows and totally no way was. to see through it. It totally uh, was. Uh-huh. It yeah. was a Victorian house. It was old. There was a foyer that my stroller and other things were blocking the door. But a foyer. It was a foyer. I love that word. Or as I call it, a foyer. Or a foyer if you're just basic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was watching the movie. You know, I was up. My sleep schedule was off because I had an infant, and um, it was probably two in the morning, and I was pretty well into the movie and i heard a loud knock five raps at the front door that no one ever used fuck two o'clock in the morning with an infant the most vulnerable position i think you could be in as a young woman and a a helpless child Mm -hmm. and i was terrified 
Uh, I didn't answer the door. I paused the movie and shit my pants. And my daughter probably shit her pants because she was a month <laughs> this old. This is getting a bit more detail than I signed up for. <laughs> uh, anyhow. Diapers uh, were changed. Uh, diapers were changed, At exactly. the strange body yeah. horror here. But did, so, you, did you go back and finish the movie? I did. That's fantastic. I'm a, I'm a, yeah. You die hard. I'm die hard. I'm a glutton for punishment. So that's my story with Strangers. I rewatched it the other night. I was terrified again. And um, that's one of my favorites. That's one of those movies that you just don't want something to fall over in your house while you're watching it. No. Well, let alone somebody rapping five times on your fucking door at no. 2.30 in the morning. Rapping on your door. No. Yeah. Mm. Um, some others. I don't know. I like a lot of... Uh, what's, the, uh, what's the movie I asked you if you saw? It's foreign. Just came out. Train to Busan. Scariest movie. <laughs> it's a girl's Scariest Veronica. Movie. Veronica was great. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I thought it was great. I haven't seen, seen it yet. I don't know if I saw There's a lot of movies, horror movies lately with like, like female names. There's nuns or something. As titles. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty Catholic-based. It's, uh-huh. it's in Spanish. Uh-huh. It's gritty. I have not seen it yet. It's good. Yeah. I saw that. It's like based on a real case, right? It is. And it's like set in the 80s? Maybe 90s. It seemed like a little, like it was, yeah, maybe 90s. You know, oh, and it's in a foreign it. country, so it's hard to like timestamp, I feel, sometimes. But so you're on the up and up. You're, you're I'm on the up and up. Oh, up yeah. With what's going on in horror. Does anyone else secretly kind of love those like conjuring movies? You're in the right place. You are in the right place because I am. Chris is like a, a militant Christmas fan. tree right now. I'm a militant, <laughs> militant fan of the, fan. all the spooky James Wan movies, Insidious, The Conjuring. He pounds oh, the pavement campaigning for those movies. Oh, yeah. I, I do. I, I go saw him door yesterday, door. downtown Monroe, with a, dressed as a nun. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, ma'am. Oh. You have a moment to talk about James Wan. Oh, God. <laughs> that would have been a great like viral campaign. They send like two nuns door to door, and one of them's a normal old lady, and the other one's the nun behind the oh, veil. Oh, God. But like, the one that's like the nun is like behind the other one, right. so you can't so it's see like, her. Do you have a minute to talk about? And then the other one's the like, first Ducks down. <laughs> well, someone explain this to me though, because I mean, I don't remember the nun. The nun was not in the first. You, no, you right? haven't. Well, I, all right, yeah. Patrick has been bogarting my conjuring it's not to bogarting Blu-ray. When you just come over, like, okay, so if you have a kid and you come over and you're like, hey, hey will you take care of my kid? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll take care of your kid. And you leave your kid at my house for a fucking year. I haven't bogarted your kid. <laughs> That's basically what you did. I don't think it's morally defensible. Like. I'm going to call Child Protective Services. I don't like the sound of this at all. But yeah, so I loaned him The Conjuring 2 a year ago. He hasn't watched it yet. And now he has the audacity to ask me to explain the nun to him. Right. Yeah, you're going to do it or what? I'm not going to do it. <laughs> okay. There's a place in the horror movie genre for those movies. I mean, yeah. no denying it. Yeah, they're, uh, I, I, I didn't coin this term, but I've heard them described it. Maybe it was Steven who coined this term, or maybe he read it somewhere. Kitchen sink movies, you know? It's like everything gets spooky and bumpy. And, oh, yeah. Uh, it's great. Put all in pull, pull on one movie. Ah, there was just there was like nothing in the contract. You know what a me. kitchen sink movie is? The boys in the tree. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. actually, it's that's about true. time we segue to yeah, that. Yeah, by the way, this movie, <laughs> the movie we're watching this week is Boys in the Tree. B O Y Z, right? No, it's no. Boys in the Trees. I wish. In THA Trees. <laughs> so, all right, we'll talk about the actual movie now. Boys in the Trees. But first, we got to clear the air on something because we talked about this last week when we were previewing it. And one of you told me that this was going to be, uh, uh, what's the term for a gay film? <laughs> 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 I, you know, there's a, it's very, com- very confusing. I call him a dick pic. 
<laughs> I heard about this movie because uh, Katie Rife at the AV Club wrote for a list of the 10 best movies of 2017 we didn't review on the site. And she said well, it has... that an, is extremely generous. She if said was it has an LGBTQ subtext. So I went into okay. this movie expecting that, and that's probably why I spent two hours waiting for two of the characters to kiss and was yeah, severely absolutely. disappointed when it didn't mm-hmm. happen. Absolutely. This is why I like to read nothing about these movies before I watch them, because I was expecting these guys to kiss the whole movie, and there's a subtext there if you're mm-hmm. looking for it. It almost happens. You know, they wrestle. Yeah, it almost I like Seductively. Loved, I liked knowing that going in, because I was otherwise down. I would have been extremely bored with this movie, and that knowledge... Or false knowledge led to like some of the most erotic tension I've seen in a movie. I in a agree. Long time. I totally agree. <laughs> but would it have been there? <laughs> did did the think pieces create erotic tension for us? No, yeah, it's I, there. The director, I think the director is gay. He made a is very uh, well known gay movie called uh, the The Last Time I Saw Richard, which I've seen before, and I didn't know until I got an IMDb today. Is the same guy. So like, there's definitely like it's in. He wants you to feel certain things, but he's not willing to like fully commit to it in the narrative. But Stephen, Chris's question remains unanswered. Which is what? What do you call a gay movie? You said dick pic? <laughs> what about a dick flick? A dick, a dick flick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. That's so reductive. <laughs> it is. Well, we it's, all understand. It's an LGBTQ I'm film, I think. Is it? Because I didn't have that no, seed I think planted. I think that's the term. I'm, no, I'm saying yeah. that's the oh. term Chris is looking for. Yeah, I would so say well, Allison, Okay, so Allison queer didn't have the seed films. planted. Did it strike you? Was there a gay subtext to you in this movie? Maybe at one or two moments, but not, nowhere throughout the movie. Okay. And I don't think it hit me until pretty well into the film that like, huh, there might be something here. But I didn't read it that way at all. Because the two leads, they have... A very intimate relationship for two heterosexual boys. Mm-hmm. And they both have a lot of feelings. And they have a lot of feelings. And there's also a girl who's interested in one of them who gets no traction from the guy for like a significant part of the film. And she's cute. Yeah. So no lots, of, lots of things added up. She was frustrated. Yeah. She was frustrated. Well, she was frustrated because he was being a piece of shit. He was being but a But he was definitely boy. interested. In yeah, her, I was going to say. Well, he was behaving pretty naturally. Well. <laughs> All right, we'll get to that. But uh, Boys in the Trees, it takes place on Halloween night. In Australia. In Australia, in Australia, which is interesting. And I love a movie that takes place on Halloween night. Me too. There aren't enough of them. And it- We're watching 10 of them right now. <laughs> 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 and I could do without all five of the ones I've seen so far. By the way, guys, we are watching every Halloween movie ever, and we're reviewing them all in a single episode coming soon sometime in October to commemorate the new Halloween movie and the 40th anniversary of the Halloween franchise. Anyways, back yep. to your regularly scheduled Happy 100 years, Michael Myers. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for all the slashing and bashing. <laughs> well, I mean, I think the success of the first Halloween movie largely is because it takes place on Halloween. Doesn't look like Hocus really. Pocus. I mean, Hocus Pocus. The success is because of the day it's set on. I don't know. I think it's it's fucking called Halloween. I mean, I'm sure that drew people in. They're looking for that atmosphere of the the 31st of October. Mm. You know, it's a seductive date. The the point is, there's a lot of movies where you have spooky stuff happening. (laughs) It's a sexy number. (laughs) Okay, 10:31. 
For, freak, mm. for freaks like us, it's a seductive date. I don't know. It's like the best day of the year for me. It is. And this Halloween is, is actually... Me. I'm so excited because it's fall now. It's September. Well, it's not fall technically, but it feels like fall. It's September. And there's a push this year, I'm feeling, where people are trying to get Halloween started yes. in September. I mean, I agree. you say Halloween and the genitals just start tingling. Mine do. Swollen pants. <laughs> Swollen pants. <laughs> wow. All right, so what, this, what we get with okay. this movie, Boys in the Trees, is uh, we've got um, a a young lad with a beautiful mane of hair. What's his name? Jonas. Lead? No, Jonas is the, the younger boy who we're introduced to later. Corey. 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 Wow, you are good with names. And it is Corey. I remember. Well, except when she thought Corey's name was Jonas. <laughs> but she knew that was a ago, I, I didn't remember either name, so you're wrong. much better than I, I am. Prepared, I was fully prepared to call these guys like little kid with the hoodie and skater bro the whole the whole episode. I was prepared to call Corey young Tom Hardy meets young Heath Ledger because that's what I'm I thought of the whole movie. Oh. Anyway, oh. Steven. So it, it's Corey's last year of high school. He's thinking about going to college in New York, and uh, he's we we catch up with him hanging out with his dirtbag friends. Uh, they come home with him. His little hood rat friends. His little hood rat friends. Django as our and the boys. Friend Craig yeah. Finn would say Django. I love that name, Django. I expected it to be like D J. Yeah, no. But no. I expect him to have a little son named boba <laughs> but they're just kind of hanging out it's halloween they come to his house uh they raid his nerdy dad's liquor cabinet dad seems a little disappointed that some mail has come from a New oh, York i love university. that dad. dude give the dad some credit that poor man dad poor oh, man. i felt yeah. that too um so a lot of the, it's kind of a hangout movie for quite a while it's just like we're kind of taking in halloween and seeing how these young people behave and Corey's friends are, you know, they're they're dirtbags. You know, they're they're bullies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very misogynistic. They like to throw around the the fag word a lot. The fag word. <laughs> and they're and particularly they like to bully this little boy named Joe. He's not a little boy. He's thir- is he supposed it, to be? He's 30? the same age. He's a same late age. bloomer, but he's, he's like only a year younger, if that. I, yeah, yeah. I so think he's the same age. I think he's supposed to be. And there are a few encounters with him as they're skating around, and they kind of knock him down, whatever, and. Uh, it turns out Corey has some has a history with this kid, this fellow student, and we spend a lot of the movie entering into a fantasy realm with them as they yeah. explore their fears and dreams and uh, some Regrets. unsettling events from their past. And it's interesting the way you find out that they have a past because at first you would assume that it's just a kid that they bully all the time. Like sure. it, you don't realize right away that there's actually a relationship and a history between these two, which is sort of, I, I thought that was well done the way that was sort of slowly revealed. Yeah. It's, it's slowly revealed. Indeed. <laughs> What's the name of the fantasy world that they go to? Kakaitis. Kakaitis. And they, it's a game that they're playing. They're playing a game called Kakaitis, which is actually named for the last ring of hell where the traitors go to freeze in the ice in oh. Dante's Inferno. Oh, you have I read that it was search, my friend. Yeah. I read that it was like a tributary, like a river that led into Hades. Oh, uh, no. Maybe That's it's what both. Wikipedia is. Yeah, it's probably both. Well, if you, if you, maybe both. The mythology of this film is vague if nothing else i think it's there are a lot of like poetic broad strokes i don't know if it matters really what well, that particular term means i mean one thing's for sure there is no game called kikaitis i looked that no. up that's sure, completely created for the movie and as... never explained what that is because i wanted to play they play this game as boys <laughs> and basically they walk around town and tell each other ghost stories or fairy tales and they kind of come to life around them and there seems to be kind of like a a lesson to be learned or a des- like a secret desire expressed in each one of them. And while they're doing this, 
uh, Corey's bullshit friends are riding around trying to find them <laughs> so they can they can basically they consider him a traitor and they're trying to you know right. continue to pummel poor little Jonas and Be- ruin his Halloween right because Corey was started his Halloween hanging out with his dirtbag friends the girls that <laughs> hang out with them all this stuff I prefer the term bullshit friends that's my favorite iteration <laughs> so far <laughs> bullshit friends uh, well yeah he comes to realize that his dirtbag friends are kind of bullshit friends and so he just kind of goes off on his own little odyssey he comes across little Jonas and then they they form an unlikely uh fellowship to cross town and and take each other home and and tell ghost stories along the way it kind of reminded me of the warriors oh whoa (laughs) i never thought of a comparison but i like it yeah because you got these guys and they're like their objective is to walk across town to get home and they're being chased by these like maniacs and like crazy costumes and encountering all these freaky things and you know it's a stretch, but it, it, that's, it reminded me of it a little bit. Well, so the way that they, they ended up taking this walk together was that Corey severely offended Jonas by making a joke about his dead mother. Oh, right. And then he owed mm-hmm. him one. I'm using right. quote fingers. He owed him one. And Jonas said, to repay me for that shitty thing you just said, you can walk me home. And by the way, we're playing Kakaitis. And by the way, bitch. I have an agenda. Yeah. Because <laughs> Jonas is sassy. Like, I mean, he gets beat up. He gets bullied. But also, he is a little smartass. He's a great and... skateboarder, too. Like, could they not yeah. just have been nice to him? And like, I don't know anything about what skateboarding. What a bummer. So I can't really, I can't really rate. He totally but... eats shit, though. I mean, that's kind of how Corey. He did. He was Because he gets drunk, right? Like, we see him by the river putting his mask on and right. drinking like yeah fucking like a, a bottle of whiskey bottle of jack which he gets so drunk he throws it down and then later we see him like break the fucking nose of his skateboard and right hit the ground and which isn't easy moment, to do by the way i saw his head hit the back of the ground i'll say i thought that's quite an injury to sustain and he seemed to bounce back from it pretty quickly yeah even and, though he gave him a good oh. scare by pretending he was concussed jonas almost had to give him mouth to mouth Right. God, I oh, mean, yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. The tension. There's something there. There's a subtext there, but it. I thought it was going to be more in the text. It's. It's not. It's not very well articulated. Did they it's, come up with Kakaitis, or did were they referencing a game that two little girls started? Because I think that's worth mentioning. The two little girls who are sisters, who played the game Kakaitis. And they fantasized that they were princesses, and their knights would come and oh, rescue yeah. them. Right. And there were some boys in the in the memory or in the what are we calling that fantasy? Uh, yeah, it's kind of. I'm not sure Vision. how to flashback it. that yeah. they were having of the the origination of the game manifesting. I don't know. Yeah, it's um, like a living flashback. A living flashback. <laughs> I sort of forgot like about that. that. Yeah, because there's never we never really quite get context on what that is or who those people are. So right? the sisters. There's a younger sister and an older sister, and the older sister gets the attention of the knights, the boys who come and happen upon their game. And the older sister sort of abandons the game for these boys. And the younger sister is left alone. Mm -hmm. And the younger sister is sort of then wandering off alone, lonely, and ends up uh, in the pipe, right? Mm -hmm. In the sewer Mm -hmm. pipe. Mm -hmm. And that was part of their ghost story that they were telling. Right, you turn on the light or you'll see the ghost. Right, right. There's a series of ghost stories that, who's the little one? Jonas. 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 Who's the older one? Corey. All right. Oh, Just remember, I, I, my name is Jonas. <laughs> yeah. I think I said that backwards a minute ago. Jonas tells Cody, Corey, Co- Corey, 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 
he's trying to psych him out, you know, on this whole thing. He's telling, and these ghost stories are getting under Corey's skin in a way unbecoming of like a 18 year old man, but in a way that feels like there's more to the story than we understand as the viewer, right? That there might be something personal that it's reminding him. Well, it actually kind of is because the subtext in these stories is they're all stories about kind of existential issues and right like the one about the guy who like leaves his dreams behind he left his dreams behind who sits in front of the tv, and front of the TV and right his dreams come back to get right him. the horror yeah, but we find out who that is right yeah i don't know if we do we i don't know who it i have is. the quote I, yeah it's it's jonas's i mean uh, yeah it's jonas's dad remember because we see his dad through the window of his house and he's like in his chair like fucking zombie oh i thought it was just i thought that was just (laughs) just like me every night (laughs) i thought that was just recalling the motif i didn't think that it was this literally the same character but uh, well yeah i think it's jonas making up a story like he's making up a fantasized like a higher fantasy kind of of version of his own yeah his dad's story so to quote jonah he says the price of growing up is losing (laughs) losing one's dreams and that forgotten dreams can be vengeful that's why he doesn't ever want to grow up yeah, these kids talk like... I was just going to get to this. Like, I, I don't You describe it, Steven. Okay, one thing I will say about this movie is it feels very YA. Like, in, like, the <laughs> best possible way. Like, the dialogue mm. outside of these fantasy sequences, like, I love that the kids are just calling each other dickheads and, you know, just, like, faggot and whatever. Like, it feels, like, natural. This is how kids talk. But when we get into these fantasy sequences, it's so, like, high school drama club. Like, I just read Midsummer Night's Dream <laughs> yeah, for the I first totally time. Did. Yeah, yeah. It drove me like nuts. Like, overly I, eloquent. So cringeworthy yeah, yeah. and, like, pretentious and, like, I feel like there are so many, these characters have so many, like, false epiphanies because of these ridiculous lines they're feeding each other. Well, Corey's whole trajectory of his, like, maturity and his epiphanies that he had over the movie were outstanding it was a whole young adulthood's worth of oh. time in a yeah. lot in a hundred minutes in you know? Halloween it was night. like wow yeah. everything i wanted for him happened you well, know it was like unlike a christmas carol or the halloween tree is the thing i kept thinking of i don't know if you guys saw the halloween tree cartoon or read the book as kids no it's very similar to that where there's like a lot of growth in a very short yeah. span of time in one mm. night but I don't know, something about this, the pacing of this movie and the loftiness of the revelations these characters needed to have. It just felt far too out of reach for people this young. I well, agree. I think if you're going to take that fairy tale, fable-ish kind of approach, I mean, you're right about A Christmas Carol or whatever, but you kind of have to set up that framework and set up that world in which that makes sense, you know, and this for the first you know, maybe 20, 30 minutes of very slow character development just feels like kind of a cool skater movie about skater kids in the 90s. And then we take this hard left turn into, you know, actually A Christmas Carol is a really good analogy to make. And it doesn't doesn't mesh. It didn't bother me because they frame it within the context of this game, Kikaitis, on Halloween night. And they... They gave me enough to believe that, oh, Halloween night, creepy, weird, magical stuff can happen if you believe, you know? Mm. And we don't really explicitly know what is real and what is imaginary and what's a metaphor. And But it, it, it worked well enough for me. I do agree it was pretentious. and It bothered right, me a little but... bit. It bothered me once I saw the direction we were going in and I thought there was no preface for this yeah Mm. it just kind of happens yeah i mean there's suddenly keeps happening you don't really know how you're supposed to feel or where we're at at any point during this and i think that's what you get with a smaller you know 
time screenwriter than a Guillermo del Toro who can pull that off. Like <laughs> oh my God, beast. if he made this movie. I mean, let's think about that. Like Pan's Labyrinth meets Boys in the Trees is like <laughs> blowing my mind right now, you know? Like, I mean, they're literally about to cross a creek and all of a sudden, I, I, I literally ran it back when they're about to cross that creek and they're talking about Kikaitis for the first time and reciting whatever rhyme and, and some sort of thing that explains the rules of this game that we've never heard about up to this point. I literally ran it back and was like, Wait, what are you talking about? It just comes out of fucking nowhere, and then we're off into this kind of crazy fantasy world. Yeah, I, no, hour. I like that. I like I that because too. it's the the theme that they're and the kid talking about not wanting to grow up. He's trying to stay young in this make believe world where they don't have the cynicism of oh, it's just a creek in the woods, just jump over it. They're actually opening themselves up for this spiritual. Well, and he magic, didn't spooky journey. He didn't have a great life, so it makes sense that he would want to stay. You know, in this youthful ignorance, for lack of a better word, his mom died, we learned. Yeah. He's um, been picked on, at least. You he's know? definitely been bullied. Yeah. He's kind of my hero. I want to say, a, a personal, Jonas? Yeah, yeah. My personal anecdote, I mean, I had a friend when I was younger who is uh, now no longer with us, but we would play games like this when we were kids, and we would sort of invent worlds and languages and stuff, and... I often think of him when I sort of get off track and become cynical and think like, you know, what, where would he want me to be? How would he want me to feel and behave now? Like, I want to like, you know, make him proud in, in memory at least. So on paper, I should have loved this movie. It's like, it's a, it speaks to a huge part of my inner life as a movie. I don't think it works. It's beautiful. I mean, the cinematography is great, but it, I have a hard time kind of following the trajectory of like, we're in like sort of the teenage skateboard world and now we're in the fantasy world and now we're jumping back and we're mm-hmm. in the convenience store. It just felt yeah. haphazard. I could have done without the constant going back to the the garbage friends raising hell on their bicycles <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Can we talk about Django a little bit? Because Absolutely. he was the leader of the garbage friend pack. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like we've all had a Django. Kids. We've all had a Django. I'm we using have. fingers oh, again. Yeah. yeah. But like, I'm, I'm interested to pick your brain as men, as boys in the trees at one point in your life. <laughs> Did you guys have a Django? Like, Absolutely. I had yeah. like five Django's at once at one point in my life. <laughs> I think every yeah. friend group of men is going to have the guy who is like, at least has everyone convinced that he's the cool one who like knows more shit than you do, and he's gonna set the agenda for what we're gonna do tonight. Yeah, what do we think was the dynamic between he and Corey? Because I, if I had to go down, if I'm looking through the lens of it's an LBGTQ, I was gonna say type, go down indeed. <laughs> yeah, I think if I'm now looking through that lens, I can totally make a case for there being some, you know, like sexual tension or attraction between that Django feels for Corey. He doesn't want to lose him to to New York. He doesn't want him to go Mm. to college. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it's like psychologically makes sense that if his friend out, you know, performs him, he feels inferior. And then, you know, he's forced to take a look at himself. But it did feel now that I'm going down the rabbit hole of that, maybe there was some other stuff there too. I've, again, I I think even if I remove that, uh, that AV Club article from my mind, I, I was thinking a lot about that in this movie because I've had friendships like that, especially in high school, where it's like, because I'm gay, it felt like there might be sexual tension that was never discussed. And there's definitely kind of the issue of sort of outperforming, of, you know, male competition. 
This movie seemed to want to have it both ways, but we never explicitly find out what our protagonist's sexual leanings are. I right. mean, like, he seems to be interested in this girl, but, like, even after they fuck, which does happen later in the film, it's kind of tenuous, I felt. I think that's because of the emotional... I don't know. I had no real question about his sexuality. He was so pretty, though. Can we all agree that he's like a work of art? Very pretty. And Django as well. I mean, mean, I could do without the dyed hair, (laughs) but I would. (laughs) He's just rotting from the inside out. I can't even with him. (laughs) I would. I would say he's rotting from that, like the blonde (laughs) dye job. Oh my god! Though in this in 1997, like that's the kind of boy I would have jerked off to. Like, with the same hair and everything. <laughs> I feel like each of the last, like, how many podcasts Steven has said something about his I'm masturbation habits. I'm yeah. learning a lot. So much more than we wanted to know about how Steven jerks it. For the record, I didn't... AMA. <laughs> I want to know all about how you jerk it, because I'm how? just curious. How? Like, the, 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 the I mean, method? No. The, we're going to put that I'm behind so a paywall much. on yeah. our website. <laughs> Become a Patreon. <laughs> a uh, Patreon on Patreon. I, I, I didn't pick up any... Works. Become a Patreon. <laughs> I didn't pick up any gay subtext with Django, specifically. I, if, you, if you saw it, then, then cool. I'm not going to deny it. Well, here, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing, is that there could have been. Like, you could exploit that in an interesting way. Right. The relationship between those two characters. Like, there is ample gay subtext to be... And, and the rest I don't, don't want to say exploited, because I don't think... I, I, I think you could do it without being exploitative. But there's all kinds of shit going on with these characters where there are really strong male bonds that they don't want to lose. And they could be figuring out a lot of sexual stuff totally. at the same time. It would be mu- a much more interesting movie. And I Django reminded me of a controlling boyfriend, like, a lot of times. Oh, like, yeah. I was like, I know guys yes. like that who are like, no, you're not going to college in New York. You're staying here, going to the community college with me, and we're going to both yeah. suck at life together. And it's because he can't admit it, but he loves Corey. Like, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Not, maybe not in a romantic way. Right. But This is the writer's room right now. We're writing, yeah. like, Boys in the Trees, <sighs> the director's cut that the director wishes he, he was like, together. fuck, I didn't even think of that. Oh, my yeah. only issue... No, he. I'm, I'm confident he did think of that. My only issue with this movie is in the pacing. Because otherwise, I love that, like you said, Patrick, at that age, you've got so much shit going around in your head that, like, you don't even know. And I like that it's not clear-cut. It's not feeding us, you know, there's sexual tension between these two characters. Mm. Or, or they're, they, it's not even clear why they're sort of competing against each other. You well, know, I just had an epiphany. Yeah. Because I was about to say I didn't read Django as having any gay subtext to his character, but I just thought that he, the the conflict between him and Cody, Corey, Corey, <laughs> I thought the the conflict between him and Corey was just a just a power thing. You know, it's he's the alpha dog. He doesn't yeah. like insubordination. But now I'm thinking, at that age, is there a difference between the power dynamics and the sexual dynamics? Mm. That's a bloody I don't, line. The, here's, so. a, here's another question for you. At any age, is there Ooh. a oh. difference between sexual dynamics and power dynamics? Oh. No. I'll, I'll leave you with that. <laughs> no, in, in, well, in case you don't watch House of Cards and don't read Oscar <laughs> Wilde, um, <laughs> everything is about sex except for sex. Sex is about power. Did Oscar Wilde say that? According to House of Cards, but I haven't found any sex wow. situation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a really funny reference of a reference. Yeah. So. Well, I want to say they're 
I'm I'm very confused about something that happens later in this film and who exactly is involved in an event from the past that we learn about. And I think it might shed light on this conversation about Django's sexual awakening and where he's kind of at. This, this sounds Care like spoiler room as fuck. <laughs> it is spoiler room as fuck. <laughs> I think having said what I said, our listeners won't be able to tell what it is. Okay. But Hold on. We see a pair of pants unzipped at one point in the movie in a very vague scene and i've got some thoughts about it so i'll save that for later all right we'll get to that in the spoiler yeah. room here, here's kind of a broad topic but it, there's a lot to talk about here music and music video oh direction yeah. <laughs> fucking awesome the soundtrack the music or the music video direction the music i, all I agree it. was yeah. giving me yeah. fucking life yeah yeah oh my oh god, my, god. My, my 80s and 90s child was just Indulging. They're watching. I mean, like the first scene where we see uh, Corey bring his friends home. They're watching the video for for Lump by President of the USA, and one of the kids is like badly hitting the drums along to it. That reminds me of my cousins when I was that age. They'd do the same thing. They'd put on like a Ween album or Beastie Boys, and like they had a drum kit and they would just badly play along with it. it that scene felt beautifully real in terms of just yeah. the way that like teenage boys hang out. Sure, and there's like kind of the you get a sense of the. Unfortunately, it's kind of wasted because we don't see too much of the some of the peripheral members of the gang but we see how they all kind of interact like how the, the pack, periffs <laughs> the mm. periffs we see kind of how the pack works when it's like isolated and like you know there's two that like love to hang out with each other instead of the bed and there's like the guy who's playing the drums and mm. there's the guy who's on the computer mm. Corey is a budding photographer we should probably mention this that's yeah. he's an aspiring photographer and i think that's what he's hoping to go to college in new york for and his dad thinks that's a you know that's a road to nowhere, as many parents do with the arts. Yeah. Mm. But he takes this photograph of Jonah. Jonas? Jonas, right? Jonas, yeah. My name is yeah. Jonas. Oh, my God. Jonah. It's Jonah. It's Jonah. My name is Jonah. <laughs> I think we've been saying it wrong the entire time. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm ashamed of us. Thanks for all you've shown us. He takes this picture of Jonah after, after, yeah. uh, Django has punched him in the face yeah. and he's sort of just looking bewildered and, and defeated and he's got a bloody nose and this picture later gets circulated around town. Yeah. To and, no effect. Yeah, that's debatable. I mean, it's it's pretty terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a horrendous crime. They're antagonizing this guy. A crime against photography. That shot was shit. <laughs> that shot was total shit. <laughs> the shot was great. That's a great shot to catch somebody in a vulnerable moment like no, that so clearly. It was job. awesome. It, right. and yeah. I'm, thinking that, great job. I'm thinking that Jonah's gay, which raises the stakes of this because he was gay bashed and punched in the face and, and given a bloody nose. Know. And now the photo's yeah. all over town. But I, I love how... Um, how Django sort of wins over Corey's sense of ego when Django confronts him about seeing this paperwork to go to college in New York. And he, he says, you know, what the fuck, dude? Like, what are you too good for us? You know, the typical, you know. Yeah. And Corey throws it away and said, it's not a big deal. It was just an idea. And then Django realizes he's offended him. Corey's in his dark room developing this picture or these pictures that he's taken. And Django comes in and sort of sweetens him up. And he sort of he sort of strokes his ego and says, "This is your this is your money making shot right here." And again, with the LGBTQ themes that I was expecting because of shit I'd read, I was thinking this was going to be like a Vicky Cristina Barcelona moment. If anybody's seen that shit, I have. Been yeah. a while. There's there's some there's some. Been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> Which some... could have also been on the soundtrack. <laughs> it <but> well. could <laughs> have. It's, it's not angry enough. It's 
since I could exactly. hold my head up high. <laughs> that doesn't need to go any further. Anyway, go on. Oh, there's there's just some sexy shit that happens in the, happens in the dark room in Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Oh. oh, well, actually, I thought there was conflict in that because he's saying, "Oh, this shot here, this is good shit," and my feeling was that Corey was kind of repulsed by the whole thing. I mean, he's definitely at least compl- conflicted by it because he we find out that he actually has a relationship with this kid, and he took the picture kind of because he didn't know what else to do, and he was like not okay with the moment. Well, and I think at the moment it could be argued that it was an artistic sort of depiction of life. Yeah. But I don't think if I'm putting myself in his shoes, I don't think he foresaw what the the fate of that picture would be, that it would be so widely circulated and then it would be used as like hate propaganda against this kid who's like pretty harmless. Right. And that's kind of a theme with these characters between Corey, Corey and Jonah, right? Can we just write it on the wall somewhere? <laughs> yeah, we need we can a whiteboard. <laughs> that, that, that's kind of a recurring theme where, you know, Corey didn't mean to hurt Jonah, but he did. And, you right. Know, that's kind of something that happens a lot between the two of them. And it was at the it was at the the um, insistence of Django that he sort of prove himself, right? Prove right. yourself. Prove yourself right. that you're tough and prove that you're without emotion, sort of. Um, and he complied. Mm-hmm. And that actually kind of ties back into the music conversation we started to have i was gonna circle it back at some point sorry yeah, yeah. forgot we were going there no. so good it goes every which way <laughs> like this movie i mean it just <laughs> yes it's a little bit add it just kind of you know works at it i have the soundtrack things. pulled up right there, now oh yeah will you, re- will you refresh my memory because the only things i remember are presidents of the usa and romstein which beautiful I, people I, Marilyn beautiful Manson, i freaked out because i, I hadn't heard that since Dude, like was, 1997 i was glad to hear it yeah, i'm not gonna me too. and i had the subtitles no on so i was like i could sing every word <laughs> i grew exactly. up in a fucking bubble so none of this people. shit means anything really i don't have the nostalgia nostalgia associated with it yeah you were like a pure child and we were just tainted by hate where did you where were you in 1997 like I was growing up in in New York. Oh, New York. Okay, so you yeah. didn't have eighty nine X. Sorry, what? Eighty nine X. But you probably had oh, a, the, the radio station. I get it. You probably had another <laughs> cumulus station in your area that was playing the same shit. I had a lot, yeah, yeah. and I gravitated well, no, no, toward no. this dark. I was a dark ass kid from early a on. Dark. Ass oh, I was. Kid. She couldn't have had eighty nine X. Was the only new rock alternative. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there were right. no others. Oh, <laughs> there were according no to the uh, tagline. <laughs> yeah, that's literally how they build it. But this, it was all this stuff. It was live. It was yeah, Bush. Uh, Allison, you Bush? think you Rammstein? had rock alternative in New York? Pro- probably not. The, New York is a pretty soft, soft around the edges kind of place. We have Garbage, Rammstein, 311, mm, Soundgarden, White Zombie, garbage. Metallica, Offspring, Tori Amos, Live, Smashing mm. Pumpkins. Tori no Amos, I mean, every time I hear Tori Amos, I think it's Kate Bush. When I heard that song at the end, I was like, oh my God, did they actually license a Kate Bush? No, it's got to be Tori. You don't know Caught a Light Sneeze by Tori Amos? I didn't know that song God, until this Why aren't movie. you an angry like feminist from 1994? <laughs> How dare you? In 1994, well, uh, I was six years old. Thank here, you. Here's a relevant oh question. God. Bullshit. Right? I was 10. Oh, yeah, so. I guess you were. Why is this we're fucking old. movie said in 1997? My guess is because the director was grew up in 1997 and he wanted to make something that reflected his growing up. That makes sense. It's simultaneously kind of timeless, but also very rooted in time. And I like that. This movie has this duality about it. Like, is it reality? Is it fantasy? Is it, you know, hope or fear or, you know, whatever. There's a lot of, like, sort of twisted stuff going on. I I appreciated that. It kind of came, had to have been made, like, right before Stranger Things hit, too. 
This yeah. is also like kind of a revival of like the Stand by Me, like boys on bikes sort of thing. Mm. <laughs> I think you only see one car in this whole movie, and it's toward the end. Dude, that's totally a genre: boys on bikes. Oh that, yeah, that yeah. needs to be a thing. No, there's super dark times. There's that uh, summer of '84 movie that's coming out that looks like very Stranger Things. E.T. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Have there ever been from, more like, the boys original, on bikes? Original golden era of bulls, uh, b- bulls on bikes. We need girls on bikes. We need uh, paper, um, paper girls. Paper girls. Now and then. Movie. Hello. What's now and then? Oh my god. Oh, I know. I've never you seen it, but that's on my. Then. I want to have like a chick flick night and watch that. It movie. is so epic, and I hate that word so much, but I couldn't think of another one. The cast is insane. It's so good. What is it? Um, it's a, it's a coming of age movie that, uh, they, they deal with girls, uh, in a group of friends at a young age, and then they flash forward to them at, as adults, and they Uh, all come back for the birth of one of their children, and uh, it's just... Are they on bikes? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So many bikes. Is it recent? Um... You know, no, that was no. like mid 90s. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was okay, mid 90s okay, okay. when everything good was made. Is when the writer in it? Yeah, I think she is. She's is not. Rosie O'Donnell. Annie McDowell? No. <sighs> Rosie O'Donnell. I'm um, just naming all the like likely stars of this film. No, no, no. It's like that that the Robin and Chuck sung Gene Hackman. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, it's a great movie. And sometimes Girls on Bikes. Yeah. Girls on Bikes is a thing. Chris desperately wants us to get back on track right now. <laughs> so does. go ahead, right. Chris. It, it's. But it's it's good to see a YA type movie that doesn't have a shit ton of cell phones in it. You know? Any. No cell phones. They didn't exist. So you ask, you know, hey, why does this movie take place in 97? I don't care. It was nice to see something different. Because they were so present. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, you know, you don't want to be playing Kakaitis. That's kind of what it's having, like for. HQ yeah. trivia giving me notifications. <laughs> you, can't, you can't enter the realm of fairy if you're distracted. Guys, you no, be I agree. I'm not sure. Halloween's coming up. Halloween night. Let's fucking go for a walk with no phones and tell each other. Yes. 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 I'm Let's down. Bikes. Bikes. Kakaitis. I feel like Chris is doing this just for the show, but no, he's no, serious. I'm I'm serious. Serious. We're holding this. We're, we're, holding, we're, we're holding you to places. this. Wait a minute. Yeah. Please, this is so up my alley. Where have you guys yeah. been all my life? Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna have. A I little... have such square friends. We're, I'm now learning. We're gonna drink wine coolers in the cemetery. Yes, oh, we're going yes. to every cemetery. Smoke cloves. Smoke cloves. Yeah. Have a seance. Bring a Ouija board. I, I've no, got that's a Ouija fucked board. up. No, I'm not touching that fucking thing. It's bad. <laughs> I'll bring bad my. News. I'll bring my new I'm tarot down. deck. I'm down for the Ouija board. Yeah. Oh, it'll be great. Want to hear a quick piece of a uh, horror movie trivia? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is it about Ouija Origin of Evil? Is it trivia? I don't think it's trivia. My grandfather was college roommates with the young priest Father Karras in The Exorcist. Oh, no wow. way! <laughs> he goes. Right. We used to play bridge together. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's cute. That's great. Wait, was he a real priest? <laughs> no. No. No, the but they, they went to Jesuit the college together, so he was definitely Catholic. So he was friends with the actor. So who he was a believer. Priest. My bad. He was college roommates with the actor who played the priest. Okay, Father Karras, the, the young priest, not Max von Sydow, but the other one. Yeah, I haven't seen. Who, him but I they did go to the Jesuit college, so, so it's long. that was not a, an outlandish question. My no. uncle went to college with the young pope. <laughs> uh, also known as Juba. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> but yeah but that's you know the, the horror in this movie is the horror of your mind and it's the horror of wondering if 
fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, no, because that's really, is this a scary movie? Like, hardly. There's a couple, no. like, miles. He's like spooks. Vincent Price right now. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about the scene in the school? Because I think that was noteworthy. Um, Sure. So Jonas and uh, Corey end up on the roof of their school, and there's some birds that are dying. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, that was yeah, weird. That was, yeah, there's uh, pigeons uh, roosting up there. Yeah. And Jonah assures us, oh, the reason they're roosting up here is because they're dying. They know they're going to die. And no one should die alone. So I come up here to visit them while they're dying. You whatever. Kind of weird, but whatever. If you've ever wondered how symbolism fucking works, if you ever had a problem like getting a grasp on symbolism, watch the fucking boys in the trees because it spares no expense in just pointing with a big red fucking arrow to every single symbol and also explaining to you what it means. If you're wondering what it means, it'll tell you. Did not you like, once, not like twice, symbolism but like for the hearing times. impaired. Did you like how yeah. Jonah wears his Halloween mask on the back of his head like Janus the Roman god who looks yeah. forward and backward at the same oh, time? Shit. Actually, that's that's kind of dank. I didn't notice that. Yeah. I did notice when he took off his wolf mask and like stomped it on the ground and dramatically skateboarded away after we've been talking about wolves and wolves chasing little boys and how wolves are the predatory personification and, of yeah the, predation the most subtle and evil thing in, in the this film. movie is the imaginary gay subplot that we all read into it <laughs> well and and he he referred to the wolves as like men who had matured to the point of um puberty mm-hmm. right he made a reference to having right. not reached like puberty yet and yeah. all the other boys who had reached puberty were the wolves mm-hmm. i felt like i was listening to a pink floyd album like just the the <laughs> like the metaphors just beaten into you. <laughs> like okay, I get it. It's another brick in the wall. They're wolves. So he was bullied in school, and Corey obviously chose a different path. He wasn't. He wasn't bullied. He was potentially a bullier. Right. A bully. A bully. <laughs> a there's a good conversation. I want to be fancy has. about it. There's a good conversation he has with the Seven Eleven girl who has an unusual Romany. name, Romany, right? Where they kind of get at that. Where like he never made a dis. He like still sees himself as a good guy, and he sees his friends are assholes, but he doesn't really think he's like them. But mm-hmm. he kind of comes to realize that yeah, he kind of is. You know, she helps That's him awesome, to realize, right? as many of us women help you boys in the trees along. You're not. You're a participant here. You're not just standing. By. Thank you for doing women for doing that for Patrick and Chris. Thank you for thanking me. You are doing the Lord's work. Thank you for thanking me. Uh, you are who you hang with. You know you're guilty by association, whether yes. you like it or not. And that's why I say you make that's fun of me. Of that's that's the movie. That's the sure. horror. That you know, if you have to pull horror out of this, which again I think this is kind of a case of Netflix miss sorting its movies because they watched the first five minutes and they saw Halloween costumes. Yeah, and they put it in horror. It's more. Of Where a, else are you going to put it though? I mean, it's got. It's got, it's got wolves, it's got it. shadow thriller? people. Yeah. Maybe a thriller. It's, I mean, I think even the, it's one reason this movie wasn't all that successful is that I think festival programmers didn't know what to do with it. Mm. Like, I don't think this played like Fantastic Fest or you know, like the places you would think it should be because it's in this weird genre and like the people doing PR for it didn't really know how to communicate what it was about. Right. Like, this should have, like, won, like, a GLAAD award or something, probably. (laughs) It did win an award. It's a movie that doesn't quite seem to know what it is. I don't remember what the award was. A GLAAD award? It won an award. Oh, yeah. 
best kiss that almost happens. The spooks in this movie or whatever, the the dread comes from not like, oh, a werewolf's going to get you, but it's all about yourself. And yeah. yeah. Are you living up to your potential? Are you being yeah. a good person? Are you there for your friends? And we kind of see through these Christmas Carol uh, scenes, you know, what happens if you don't. Um, I'm I'm sorry that I interrupted you. That's fine. Your I, your I mean, your wind up to, was too delightful. I've been to trying watch. to get that out for for 15 minutes. <laughs> well, and I like no. that Romany again. I'm going to plug for the ladies here. We saw Corey look at the the paperwork to go to school in, in New York, but Romany was the first person that actually said out loud, "I want to get out of here." Right? Yeah, she wants to go to. She Canada. was thinking about her future. She wants to go to Canada. Romany, great name, great woman. She was a great woman. Great yeah. woman. And she kind of helped Corey along, like, you know, without saying any doubts you might be having about getting out of here because we're like-minded. And I can right. see that about you. you she's know. frustrated because she, she sees a kindred spirit in him, but he's Suppressing not. it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think a big hope of mine was that he would pass that. Like, I think in, in my mind's eye, I was sort of like, take Jonah with you. You know, right. go to Canada, all three of you. All three of you. And live in like life. a, yeah. Oh, can, can we so all go to Canada cute. also? It was like too close for comfort. I don't really want to live in the United States. Right. Anyway. She wants to move to Canada. She wants to see snow of all things. She wanted to so see like, snow. Right. It's give, overrated. Give it one winter. Yeah. I want them all to come to Canada so I can visit them more easily than going to Australia. Yeah. A little bit closer to I, me. I get it. Yeah. That'd be beautiful. But I think she gave that he she gave him permission to to be okay with thinking a little bit bigger, and no one else in his life, including his dad, gave him permission to do that. Dad mm-hmm. is sweet, but he's totally holding him back. Well, and for a way that, Aww. as a parent, I can empathize. You know, you want your kids to like live up to all their potential, but like within reason. Yeah. Well, he's a single dad. You know, he, oh, he's a sweet angel. He doesn't face. seem to have any I friends. I just thought it was so sweet when he was like half-heartedly low-fiving all the bullshit friends as they walked into his house and stole all the food out of his fucking pantry. And his booze. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, he didn't know about that, though. No, well, you could, was, I mean, like, the sound, three sound design in this movie was great, and that was the first scene where I really noticed it, but, like, you can hear them going up the stairs, and you can hear the booze bottles clinking, and the dad is just like, ah, oh, fuck it. He's more worried about being a cool dad. Yeah, yeah. For he was pretty passive. He He's like, if yeah. you can fix my printer, I don't care what the fuck But they did. were hiding the vodka from him. Like, they were, it right. was behind his right. back. They I don't think he would have be improved. Doing. I don't think he would have approved. I don't no. think he would have, he seemed like kind of a pushover. Right. Yeah, he wouldn't have done anything. Mm. I don't. I like the dad. I, I wish like I could the have dad seen more so of him. much. Like he him. loves him. I date him. Kind of like, <laughs> kind of like Django, uh, who you might also date. Uh, no. <laughs> we, no, that was Steven. Oh, that was Steven. Django, I, keep I, our I, dating preferences straight. I will. Straight, Chris. I, will I winced at that. I will of date Corey. Ugh. I will date Jonas slash Jonas. I will. <laughs> Fuck Django once and leave it. We're playing fuck Mary Kill right now. No, we're not. <laughs> oh yes. No, we're not. Um, I played I that game Dad. with myself the whole time I was watching this movie. <laughs> you were like fuck Steven, Mary Steven, kill. St-. How do you play fuck Mary Kill with yourself? No, not with myself, but like by myself, like thinking about the characters. I know. I was, I was making yeah. a joke. Well, that was a bad joke. We haven't explained the term boys in the trees yet, though. Yeah, Al- I don't know if I understood the metaphor well enough to explain. Well, you know, they're all, you know, all the boys are in the trees. They're just climbing trees, and uh, people aren't afraid. What's the oh, thing? They're not, they're a- not afraid of fall. They're, they're not, not afraid, afraid that they're going to fall. They're afraid, afraid that they're, they're going to jump. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Do I you love that. Guys I mean, people I, with fear of heights. I sort of liked that line. That wasn't about the trees. That no, no, it, do, it definitely turns into the trees, too. Yeah, he, it's relevant. He references that later while he's literally 
in a tree talking to Romany. Like right. if that whole in thing a very Romeo and Juliet esque clearly enough. <laughs> Yeah. So what's it yeah. mean if you're a boy in the trees? That you're climbing, that you're above everybody else, that you're dangerous, that you're a risk taker. Oh, and I that's think- what all the that's what all the young boys are. That's what all the irresponsible boys are. They're oh. boys in the trees in this movie. That's what that term or sort means. Of not of think not thinking of, you know, what could happen, living in the moment. Right. Not okay. thinking of the, you know, long term, not thinking I could fall, I could jump, nothing just And and again impulsivity. Nothing you've other Actually, not been able to even consider other people's feelings too. Potentially in this risky situation. It's like so clearly explained verbally and also visually. Like it literally happens multiple times in this movie that boys wind up climbing trees. I, admittedly, I didn't grasp the metaphor they were going for, but when I was hearing the boys in the trees, because it was heck came up at the same time as the wolf metaphor, sort of. Mm. I read it as like the boys are in the trees, like the Viet Cong, and like you know. <laughs> I don't think that's related at what all. What the fuck? <laughs> like, there's a pack I out almost there. Did, just did a literal spit take. There's a there's a pack out there, and you know they're they're predatory and and animalistic and childish, and 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 you got to get them out of the trees and bring them home. <laughs> I got the impression it was oh, a bit more like short sightedness, yeah. you know, like that you're just you're idiots. Well, this you're is living just- for the moment. You're not thinking about anything in your, you know periphery and and you're just there being stupid i think the i think the court has ruled boys in the trees not a vietnam metaphor <laughs> not, not a vietnam metaphor but this is a but movie star I think wars new definitely hope benefit. definitely is all about vietnam we can agree on <laughs> what <laughs> well i think it's about that time fellas yeah it's been like three hours i we wanna... probably fella and lady fella and ladies fella you're rude you. i just my... gave him an angry hand gesture in my america you can be a fella <laughs> Uh, no thanks. <laughs> How about <Okay>. a pally? <laughs> a pally, Allie the pally. We're all a bunch of pallies. <laughs> anyway, I want to talk about stuff that happens that would be spoilers. So it's time for view it, cue it, or screw it. Allison, Allison, Allison guest. guest of honor. Would you view it, cue it, or screw it? Um. So I would cue it for sure. As much as I like finished the movie and it took me by surprise in good ways and not great ways, I think I don't feel really compelled to watch it again unless to pick up some nuances for <laughs> research reasons. Um, and I don't feel like I would enthusiastically like, recommend it to anyone. What research reasons? I'm really curious about what well, these I hypothetical mean, research Chris recommend- reasons are. Like Chris was like, maybe it would be worth watching again. And I think I'm always up for watching a movie twice just to like get it right, yeah. you know? Mm. But not because I'm dying to see it again. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I don't feel like it was accurately like a horror movie. Okay. I thought maybe opinion. you were researching like Australian skater culture or oh. something. Like that. Or the rules for cacitis. Or, yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, who says I'm not? That game sounds fun well, as fuck. Who who is it that said we're gonna uh, play it next month? I want to play it. Who said it? Who said that the first time you see a movie is a flirt and the second time is a date? That's accurate. <laughs> I don't know, but I kind of love that. Yeah, that's a saying that someone said, and uh, you know that's kind of how it is. You you really do have to see a movie twice to kind of begin to understand it, which is something we're terrible at on this show. But I'd say cue it. Cue it. it. Well, okay. Same. I would cue it. I uh, I really, really appreciate what this movie aspires to be. I think as a looking at it through the teen lens, I'm thinking, I thought about this a lot while watching it. If I was like 13, 14 watching this movie, it 
may have worked as well for me as Hedwig and the Angry Inch and like Priscilla Queen of the Desert and all these like mm. queer movies that were super important, but also uh, a movie like Mean Creek. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but that's another movie that has like really vague sexual tension. There may not be there. It deals with the complicated hormones of teenage boys as they're sort of trying to grow up or decide they're not going to. Uh, so I give it a cue it. It's a stylish movie. I think the throwback mm-hmm. soundtrack adds a lot of fun to it for me as somebody who grew up listening to that kind of music. It's visually beautiful, fantastic performances, deals with the nuances of the teenage experience, especially the teenage male experience, in a really interesting way that we've managed to talk for so long and we still can't draw conclusions about what the intention was. So it provokes discussion. Check it out if this sounds interesting to you. Yeah, I would. I totally agree. I give it a cue it as well. A solid cue it. I liked so much about this movie. I, th- I thought the performances were great. I liked the Kakaitis game. I thought it was an interesting way to frame the movie, even yeah. if it wasn't executed very well. I liked that it w- tried to be about something and had some resonant themes. My problem is it really kind of fell apart past the halfway point. It started, I think, trying to be about too many things, mixing yeah. too many of its metaphors, throwing in some crazy ass out there plot twists that we'll get to in the spoiler round that I didn't think I didn't think were cohesive with the rest of the movie. It was kind of how I talk about these movies where I feel like someone makes their first feature and they try to put every idea and theme they've ever had in their life into their one movie, and it doesn't really work. It kind of turns into he's just mashing his cars together. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with that, and I thought about this a lot um, watching this movie. It does it better than most similar movies of that ilk that I've seen, though. Would you yeah. agree? Yeah, I mean, like yeah. it's, it's it's all touching. it's it's all codable, it's all readable. You can understand what the intention was at least, and it looks cool and sounds cool, mm-hmm. even if it gets a little bit mixed up. Yeah, I might watch this again sometime in my life. I won't recommend it to anyone necessarily. But... I would recommend it to like a teenager. Like, if I knew, like, a young boy or girl in my life who was, like, 14, 15, kind of struggling with, like, the problems these characters are dealing with, go watch this movie, especially if they love Halloween. You know, I think back to, like, the the young me that loved, like, Tim Burton at that age. Like, I would have fucking loved this movie then. It could have actually taught me a valuable lesson or two. Patrick, cue it, view it, or screw it. So, when you started... Do it, view it, or screw it tonight. You looked at me at first, and I said, I don't I don't want to go. So we went to Allison, we went to Steve, and even after I heard them give their ratings, if you went to me, I would have said, no, no, I want to hear you first. Because I, I was feeling like a swing vote, because I, okay. I hadn't decided. <laughs> and I still kind of feel like a swing vote, because I'm just there's kind nothing of in the at middle. Stake. Don't worry about it. I'm kind of in the middle. <laughs> well, there's a rating for that's, that. That's not what you guys tell me about my rating. <laughs> That's not what you guys tell me about my rating on Three-Headed Shark Attack. Oh, wow. We're not going to go back. <laughs> no, I, I'm a cue-it. Um, you know, I think this movie is either a really interesting failure or sort of an uninteresting success. Hmm. It's there's, there's a lot there. There's a lot going on. There's a lot to recommend it. But as we've already kind of described at length, there are a lot of problems as well and a lot of stuff that just feels sort of half-formed and a little bit immature. Um, it's an interesting movie, and if you're looking for something interesting along these lines, go for it. Cue it. 
All right. Four Hewitts. Have we ever had four uh, Hewitts? I don't think we've ever had four Hewitts. There's never been such alignment of agendas. Special. This is history. Yeah. Oh, God. I don't even think we've had Let's unanimous Hewitts even with the, just the three of us. Let's sing Kumbaya on the way down to the spoiler room. So if you're intrigued, go check out Boys in the Trees on your own. Otherwise, come join us in a few seconds and we'll spoil everything, tell you about what happens to all these characters, and try to sort through all the metaphors they threw at us. See you soon. Welcome back to Every Horror Movie on Netflix. We're down here in the spoiler room about to talk about all the spoilers, all the twists, all the turns, all the mixed metaphors. It's happening now. And it's dark where, down here. Where do we even begin? It is dark. It's and dark cold. down here. Okay. The seasons are changing. Uh, the weather, you know, it is giving us all seasonal depression, but I do enjoy the rain and the clouds. Guys, I, like I was literally like, no joke, no troll zone. It was cloudy today. It was cold. I was depressed all day until we started doing this, and I'm having a great time. So I agree. Me too, but you. I also thank felt you. Halloween as fuck today. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I know, Which but was November nice. 1st, then it just sets in. What more Ugh. do we have to look forward to other than eating and buying gifts for people uh, and, playing and money Kytus. I don't have? <laughs> I couldn't remember the name. I, I almost said Cuyahoga. No, she said November 1st. <laughs> I know. Kikaitis gets Kikaitis played before Halloween. We can play Kikaitis every night. We have Kikaitis to look forward sounds to. Sounds like an STI. Yeah, it does. My brother had cachitis. I think it sounds like a weird form of animal sex. Mm. Mm-hmm. Cachitis. Thinking of coitus. The giraffes are performing cachitis. <laughs> like coyotes have cachitis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that they do. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, what are we here to talk what, about? Yeah, what in happened in this room? movie? Was so, there an ending? We've so, talked about this movie pretty comprehensively, but there are a couple of things that happen late in the game that are oh. Yeah, worth I mean, the, the, the general strokes are they go through the whole haunted tour and uh, they go meet What's-Her-Face at 7-Eleven and she gives them some life lessons. <laughs> Romany. I think you need to be more specific. Romany. Romany. Yeah. <laughs> she has a name. Yep. She... <laughs> but some life lessons is specific enough. Uh Corey's in the 7-Eleven, and he gets into a fight with Django, who comes in and finally has found Corey after all night of looking for him. Yep. And Corey, uh, Django tells uh, Corey that he's basically desecrated Jonah's mother's grave and says, I want you to come photograph it. Oh, yeah. And Corey says, fuck that. That's just cruel, and I'm not doing that after having some wisdom bestowed on him by Romany. Romany's impressed as hell right Wisdom now. bestowed in this movie. Yeah, lots of lots of that. In They're, almost every scene. Corey decides he's going to come down from the trees. Yeah, I like that. And so they get into a squabble. Django kind of wins, and, and Corey's on the ground, and Django offers him help, and he says, I'm done. I'm done with you. And he's had this sort of epiphany that, like, you're not my real people, and you don't want what's best for me, and I'm out. This is the point yeah. at which he throws his wolf mask on the ground and stomps on it and skateboards away that I referenced earlier. Yeah. Yep. He motors away. Motors away. Zips away. So I think he leaves to find Jonah in a panic, having realized Jonah was my one true homie. And I turned my back on him in more than one way. Yep. And he goes to find him and he goes to his house and he, he pulls down all the shit that they, they threw a dead crow at his window early in the movie and he cleans that up. And then he goes home and he pulls back out his his New York, his University of New York, which is not a real place. <laughs> is that what it says? Yeah. University I was wondering, of New York. I saw this movie in very poor quality because uh, my Wi-Fi went out last night. Uh, we have a shared Wi-Fi in my apartment building. So 
like 30 minutes of the movie it started looking like like the lego movie <laughs> and i watched it like that for like 20 minutes and was like oh fuck did it. you see the lego like, movie yeah yeah <laughs> so i i finished it this morning so like there were certain things that like details nuances i i may have missed quick quick tangent on that because one of the big sets in this movie is this big old drain pipe that they go down a couple times and it's very it yes it is it very is it. yeah yeah or shit, as we called it for a while. Stephen King's shit. But it's a good example of why I like to, you know, watch horror movies on Blu-ray or buy them on Blu-ray, even though I they're available on Netflix sometimes. Because at least on my TV, and your mileage may vary with my connection, the dark shadows of the drain pipe were all blocked up, and there was yeah. very poor detail in them. And especially there's a, a shot where there's like a figure very subtly coming out of the darkness and it was very hard to kind of appreciate that with the compression on netflix Mm -hmm. so watch your movies on blu-ray if you're a horror fan netflix crushes the blacks in yeah in in, even in the most likes it out chris is like shaking his fist like adolf hitler right now In the I most ideal like Hitler, conditions, but... it's going to look like shit on Netflix. I agree. Yeah. It's a problem that affects horror movies a lot because it's usually the dark, the shadows and the, the dark areas of the, the image that suffer the most from these compression artifacts, in my experience. Totally. Like, don't watch The Witch or The Vitch on Netflix. The Vitch. Yeah. <laughs> don't bother. It's on there now. Buy the Blu-ray. Is like... The Vitch on Netflix now? I'm pretty sure it finally is. If the bitch is back. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's coming. It's like September 17th or something. <laughs> yeah, and Give like, seriously, Very don't. Soon. Like, buy it on Blu-ray. It's literally in, like, the seven ninety nine bin at Walmart. Yeah. So if you could bother to bring yourself into a Walmart and, and shame yourself to that degree, <laughs> it's it's better to, to do that. <laughs> shame <target>. yourself. <laughs> so he goes to find him right. at home. Uh <laughs> And he on point, Allison over yes. here, just reeling it in like Romany guys, just keeping it real. Uh, and he goes back home. He contemplates filling out his University of New York paperwork, and then he has this sort of a, another epiphany and thinks, "I know where he is. I've been looking for him, and I know where he is. And he's in the drain pipe, yep. right?" So he takes his flashlight, which prior to this, Jonah has said, "You can't shine a light on the ghost of mm-hmm. the little girl from the original Kokitis game." in the drain pipe or she'll scream and you'll remember the scream until the day you die and uh, i'll be damned he did it and and she and did money yeah <laughs> money yahtzee yahtzee <laughs> but there's jonah and he's there yeah. and they have you know a conversation and and jonah's sad and he feels left out and yada yada i i just want to say one of my one of the most baffling scenes in this movie to me is a uh, Dia de los Muertos scene. Yes. Uh, which, am I wrong that it seems to be a funeral for Jonah? Yeah. No, you're no, not wrong. You're, you're you're not wrong. I, my memory's hazy. And th- I thought, this is ridiculous because, okay, spoiler alert, he's been dead this whole time. Jonah has been dead this whole time. And I knew that from when we saw him, like, one, we saw him, like, spill his fucking liquor bottle and shatter and I thought, oh, he's going to drown himself. Then we see him again when Corey catches up with him and he has like taken a shit on his skateboard and like clearly cracks open the back of his head and I thought, well, now he's surely dead and is a ghost and he's wearing ghost makeup and he's yeah. leading him into this nether world. So like, obviously <laughs> he's not been on this whole movie. So like, it's sh- it's shocking to me that this movie would think that we would believe otherwise. I but was there's a surprised. scene that is a Mexican, I was surprised too. For You're whatever too smart reason, for us. A, yeah. a Mexican funeral for 
him and Corey still doesn't catch on well, somehow. It's, it's a it's a Dia de los Muertos celebration, which isn't quite the same as a funeral. But yeah. there's like a portrait of the dead, and right? It's like that's a what they do. Him. They they set out their little luminaries and their little shrines, and they put photos of their loved ones and things that their loved ones enjoyed in their life, kind of out to mark the death. But it still has it makes no sense at in this location because he's his body is still in the river. Like no one even knows that that Jonah. But there's is a dead. photo of him at the ceremony and his mother. Not? So again, and, we're, we're getting into surreal shit again. It's surreal, this, and it's very like it reminded me of like uh um. Uh, Alejandro Hodorowski, like uh, Santa Sangre, a movie that if you guys haven't seen, you should see. It's a great Mexican surrealist film that uh, deals. It's, it's actually surprisingly similar to this. I'll say no more. Check it out. It's a great movie. Better than this movie. I mean, this and, raises an interesting cultural question for me. I mean, we celebrate Dia de los Muertos in some communities in the U.S. Is Dia de los Muertos a thing in Australia? Well, that's why I thought of the Halloween tree because I don't, I, I don't know the answer to that question, but um, that seems to be a clear influence on this movie. And the Halloween tree is like the same thing as this is like a Christmas carol, where like you're going through sort of memories and and fantasies, but the Halloween tree is like going through the characters are led through by this guide all of or a bunch of different like cultural celebrations surrounding Halloween, and they learn about culture. Hmm. And it feels like this scene was like this movie trying to make a direct direct reference to that by looking at Day of the Dead, which I don't know. Like, are there a lot of Mexicans or Mexican immigrants well, living I in Australia? The holiday doesn't seem like it's as big of a deal in Australia as it is in the United States. I don't know about that. There were a few times that I was like, if only we decorated the streets with these, like they had corpses hanging from strings on the street. Like it was pretty elaborate, you know, as if their trick-or-treating was like turned up to 11. But there's a joke somewhere in the movie, a reference to the origin of the holiday or like it being an American thing. That's true. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the movies have made it bigger over there. But anyway, there's this great scene, or not great scene, but interesting scene where they stumble upon this sort of Day of the Dead funeral ceremony and the Aboriginal actor who seems to be portraying uh, death incarnate in this white suit is singing a song by uh, the 90s band Live. And I will say... I know I recognize that. If it was a cool uh, rendition. It, it took cool. me a minute, took a couple of verses. It was me a cool too. rendition, but yeah. I'm like, of all the songs to play at your funeral, please, guys, if I were to die tonight, do not play that at my funeral. Oh, dude, at your funeral, it's sealed. I'm getting up there and just going, it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> Seal. Since I sure. could hold my head up high. I think he said sealed. Oh. Not oh. seal. Please, yeah. please. Oh, oh, I could gonna... also get up there and be like, No, but we should hear a clip because actually, like, this is a song that, uh, you know, I kind of. Rem- I feel embarrassed remembering even spending time listening to the song on the radio, but the version this guy sings. She sounds kind of cool. It was beautiful. It was cool. It, yeah. it, 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 I wanted to hear his whole version. All right, we'll play a clip. Yeah, let's hear it. Oh, now feel it coming back again. Like a rolling thunder chasing the wind. Oh, 
Jesus pulling from the center of the earth again. So it's beautiful, but it did grind the... What does it all mean? It, it grinded the pacing to a dead stop there, and I didn't understand what it meant. Well, and there was a moment before this that I think is worth mentioning when Jonah sees this man in white, and he's alone, and he's scared. And it's almost as if this this person is following him, like, I'm going to catch up to you eventually. Mm. That seems to be the idea. There's like an well, the, action sequence in the woods. The first time you see him, you don't remember it. Right. The right. second time you see him, you'll never forget. You'll never, never forget. forget. <laughs> that's, what, that's what Jonah told us. <laughs> hashtag never forget. Or, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a different hashtag for a different oh, thing. Oh, okay. Oops. Ooh. I, I, can, can, can we get so to this? The, yeah. Can we get to like kind of a, a pivotal thing that really fucking bugs me about this movie, though? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Please. We, we finally find out that the um, kind of pivotal parting of the ways between Corey and Jonah was that they got caught by a couple of older bullies when they were both kids. And, <gasps> Which is bad enough. <laughs> and someone... One of these boys ended up, older boys ended up molesting Jonah while Corey ran away. Allison, were they older bullies? I have to say something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The two boys in the flashback were the same boys from the flashback that the original, what's the name of the game? Kakaitis. Kakaitis. Those were the boys. Those were the knights. Oh, from the sort of fantasy version where they were talking about two girls. They were sort of talking about the origin of Kakaitis. And these two boys were the same Same boys that took away the older sister from the fantasy world. Dancing around the reality. Oh, so kind of like the story about Jonah's dad. Right. Where they were kind of creating a, a fanciful right. sort of version of their reality. Oh, okay, well, that's cool. Well, thank God. If this were like some of the Netflix movies we've seen, we would have had to watch an hour of them like in the library tracking down newspaper articles explaining this crime that happened 30 years ago in the drain pipe. Yeah. Like Poltergeist too. Like it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like I like that. But my problem is that... The hard not left turn into child rape that doesn't seem to fit the tone. Well, yeah. the not, not just that. Not even just that. I mean, sort of that, but more importantly, the fact that... So, I mean, Jonah, I think... And maybe this is just my interpretation, but can we agree that Jonah is gay? I think Jonah is definitely gay. I think I agree with that. But I think his sexuality was ever changed after that experience he had where he was raped. Which I think is really questionable. I can't say that he's gay. No? No, you're right to suspect that because I am a gay man and I did the same thing. Well, we went in expecting a gay romance. Right. We, we had false. We went in under bad information. We had false intelligence like Iraq. Damn it, Katie Rife. I didn't. I didn't. But I did think that his his sexuality was changed and confused. It's clear that something it's clear that his sexuality is ambiguous. And I think that's one of the things that makes this movie uh, acute for me is that I think it does accurately capture the state of confusion that boys and sorry, Allison, but there, there's only one girl in this movie. That's okay. But it captures the state that, like, I think a lot of boys are in at this time in their lives, especially if they've dealt with trauma, and that they don't know who they are. They can't articulate it. You know, I remember saying, you know, that's so gay, or, you know, you're a fag as a kid, while still dealing with the fact that I was starting to have feelings for other boys, which didn't really come to fruition until I was probably about the age these boys are in this movie. And I like that this movie is kind of like non-committal, but it, it suggests mm-hmm. it, it very, almost kind of artistically, 
has f- has forced us to th- make assumptions about these characters, and yet there's no conclusive evidence. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I don't think I've seen a movie uh, of of this ilk that has uh, been able to achieve that level of ambiguity successfully. I think Jonah suffered so much loss, you know, his mother and then his best friend, presumably, and then he was molested. Like, he's had a hard go. And I think, yeah, I think they played a lot on, like, what could happen, you know, to a person uh, that's gone through that experience. I don't know. I I really like what you just said, Steve. It reminds me of one of my favorite recent horror movies the babadook mm-hmm. in that this movie is kind of plays with fantasy and it's it's frustrating if you're trying to make literal sense and peg things down about the characters and the circumstances but what i'm hearing from you is that it speaks to a a truth about growing up mm-hmm. that resonates very strongly even if it doesn't make sense plot wise yeah i think this movie's ultimately about how like there's a certain point in everyone's life as a young person where they have to face a lot of really hard truths about how they got to that point. Hormones are starting to rage. You know, their sexuality is blooming. They don't know how to express it. And they have to make choices about how to go forward with that. And that's not a uniquely gay experience. No, right? not at all. Right. It's, you know? it's, I think it's, it's very human universal. Experience. Like these characters <laughs> could have been girls. I mean, this could have been, you know, like a girls like, in the grass, <laughs> girls in the grass. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like these characters with some alterations, of course, this could have been about a group of girls and it would have been the same thing. Cause there were no explicit sexual interactions. Well, in that movie is called hashtag horror. Oh God. <laughs> Don't take me back. <laughs> so they go to this really odd, uh, Dia de las Muertes ceremony and, uh, and they say, let's get out of here. And they run and they find a safe place in this tree, of all places. This illuminated, huge tree that I had. It took me a minute, and I feel funny saying this, to figure out if it was real or not. Because it was weird. Yeah, it's a surreal. Well, and it's, it's surreal growing. And there's a great, and there's some good special effects in this there's movie, like too, Avatar. we should mention. There's a scene where like you see like a branch <laughs> growing up and like growing arms and coming out above them. It's not like Avatar. Stop that. <laughs> Um, really kind of a, a magical dreamlike scene and they're they're transported back to their childhood there's like toys there's like you know you know mario like a mario toy like hanging from the tree and one of them had his favorite stuffed animal yeah the bear it was cute and, they, and there's slow motion of them wrestling which also is like very sexually charged totally and confusing uh but it's kind of a sweet scene because it's like them sort of like finally have gone through this whole journey of reconciling and atoning for the past and for the one, you know, leaving the other after this uh, horrible thing that happened. And they can sort of revel in the unbridled fun they used to have The together. innocence, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they see the man in white again, and Jonas says, climb higher. Let's climb higher, as if to evade death. I mean, that was my interpretation, was this man in white was sort of a Grim Reaper type. And let's let's keep outrunning him as long as we can, because it's inevitable. And I think they climb higher and higher, and then they have this, like, come-to-Jesus moment where Corey apologizes in in a way. I don't know if he actually said, I'm sorry, but he acknowledged that he left him behind and that it made him feel terrible and that he was his one true friend all along. 
Yeah, not not only did Corey cut and run when the sexual assault was taking place, which I'm not sure if we could fault him for that, but he, uh, you know, ignored him after that. You know, right. they just he didn't they didn't acknowledge each other after that. They he passed him in the hall, and right, yeah. Can we talk about the sexual assault? Because I, is it clear? I mean, I, I remember the scene. It's kind of like actually really expertly shot and edited. But it looks like a memory, like a hazy memory, where like you don't really see faces or anything. I suspect that it was Corey's friends, or people who later became his friends, who were. I think they were a bit older. I think than they were one. older. Okay. But they were probably not unlike the type of friends that Corey gravitated toward as an older kid. Yeah, yeah sure. That connection is still there. I just wondered if it was actually like Django, like fucking. Jonas. I don't think I don't, so. I don't think so. I don't think it would end with with Django and and uh, Co- Cody having a tender moment of their own on the bench. Corey, the see, the that's where I was at at the end of the movie, <laughs> thinking like, oh, like I understand, like you you you're a terrible person or you were a terrible person, but it was all hormones and you can actually change. Like that's the way I read that final scene, um, knowing full well that it might not be the right interpretation. No, I, I think. <laughs> That's At this fun. point in the movie, I was so confused and bored that I was like, ah, oh, whatever. This is more fun for oh, me. Oh, I was so sad. I felt yeah. so sad. In the end, you know, they, they Cody discovers Jonah's dead body in the river because he basically just got drunk. And I don't know. I think it's ambiguous whether or not he killed himself or whether or not it was an accident. But, I think he just slipped and fell. Yeah. yeah. I think he killed himself. He had some. He had some cuts on his arm. Yeah. Well, he was a cutter for sure. Yeah. But I don't think he. I mean, he didn't die from cutting. He died from from drowning. Yeah. yeah. But it's a happy ending because, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it was a sad ending. Well, it's sad for, yeah, but it's in death. He's definitely, you know, redeemed a lot of things. And, and the, the epilogue of the movie is just pure, you know, happiness. And Yeah. I didn't sense happiness. I mean, like, it's clear that uh, Corey is keeping his friend's memory alive, but I thought it was sad. Like, he's trying to, like, FaceTime or, like, Skype his girlfriend in Canada, and the call cuts out, and he's like, fuck it, I'm going to put on the mask of my dead friend and walk out into the street, the streets of the city where I don't know anybody. He's got presumably. a poster-sized print of, of the photo. The photo. Yeah, the the I thought it was sad. To me, it spoke of, like, you know, you, you can move forward, but you can't really totally relinquish the past. Yeah. And I don't know. I I was I felt that ending was very bittersweet. Like, it I was, was like, happy. Yeah. He's moved on. He made sure. it to New York. But, like, he still doesn't have that girlfriend he always wanted. Like, the connection isn't quite there, literally. And uh, he can't get over his, his dead friend. This is a great movie. I cried. I cried, too. <laughs> I cried when he said he wanted to go fishing with his dad, finally, because that's I all I wanted. I was like, by the end of this movie, if Corey's not nice to his dad, he's dead to me. It's like, and he was. Do you want to go fishing this weekend? Like, oh, my God. And that came up. I, I had waited the whole movie for that. Me, too. And he finally said, hey, Dad, can we go up? Are we still planning on going to the lake this weekend? And I was like, yay, Dad. <laughs> Dad gets a win. I'm going to go fishing with my dad. Yeah, you know. That's the ultimate takeaway. I've been putting it off for 15 years. I think now's the time. (laughs) It's a movie that, you know, makes you want to be a better person. I think so, too. Yeah. Lesson learned. Like, yeah. It's like as good as it gets. for granted. (laughs) It's like as good as it gets. You make me want to be a better man. (laughs) I think it's like, don't take things for granted, you know? 
people have thresholds and friends won't be around forever. And, and sometimes you get raped in a tunnel. Sometimes you get as raped a young in a boy. tunnel. Don't take shit for granted, y'all. <laughs> so, Chris, what are we watching next time? Next time we are watching Cabin Fever. Wait, like the Eli Roth movie or the remake? So here's the thing. There are two Cabin Fevers on Netflix. One is a reboot or a, or a remake of the re- first. Reimagining, maybe. Yeah, and then there's also the sequel to the original Cabin Fever. Um, so Spring th- Fever. We're going to see. So ne- next time we're either going to do Cabin Fever or we're going to do Cabin Fever and the reboot of Cabin Fever together. We'll have to, we'll have to sort that out on our own time, but... Rest assured, there's going to be some discussion of some cabins and some fevers. I think I'm going to have a fucking fever after watching any one of those movies. And then coming up, uh, of course, our our special Halloween episode release date to be determined on that one as well. But it will be before the new Halloween movie titled Halloween. God, yeah. I mean, it's theaters. Now that you're saying that, I realize we really have to catch up, but we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. That's it. That's a wrap for uh, what the hell, boys. The, the, the boys trees. and the girl are, are climbing down from the trees. We're and climbing down the trees, ready for bed, taking the masks off, and uh, having a good last couple of pieces of Halloween candy. Yeah. If uh, before, if you uh, wanna if you wanna take the mask off or you know come on over say trick or treat on our Facebook, Twitter, you know leave an <laughs> iTunes review. You are look, more we than just welcome to. Can't bear to say goodbye. Is the point of all this? All right. It's so sad. All right. Well, that's it. Until next time, for every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Chris. I'm Patrick. I'm Stephen. And Allison. See you next time. Bye.